Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks again for choosing and uh, just the constant, consistent practice of joining us for worship, whether you're watching this live right now on Sunday morning, uh, whether you waited for the sun to go down on Sunday night, uh, whether you're listening to this maybe on podcast, or maybe you're listening to this today uh, through our Mandarin translation services. We're really glad that you've joined us. But while I've got you here, I could use your help with something if you don't mind. I got a text message from a friend, and I'm trying to figure out what it means. See, last week I sent this person a text. Um, The truth is they're a friend of mine. It's been a long time, probably way too long since we've connected. I've been thinking about them and I've been missing their friendship, so I thought that I would reach out to them. Uh, But the problem was, because of the length of time that had passed since the last time we connected, I wasn't quite sure how to do it. So I thought, I'm going to reach deep into my heart and think of the most meaningful way to connect with them that I know how, that being, of course, a text message. So I reach out and I, I take some time and I I write, kind of think about what I'm going to say to them. And, and so I finally put together this text and let me know how you think it went. I said, hey, a long time since we've connected. I hope you're doing well. I've missed connecting. Would love to grab a few minutes and catch up soon. Let me know what might be a good time. So no obvious reference to getting together in person in case they're not comfortable with that. No obvious references to meeting on Zoom or FaceTime in case they're sick of that. Uh, not too desperate, uh, light, Uh, inviting, I hope, and so I sent it. I was pleased with it. I thought it went well, and then I waited. Now, if you know me and if you ever text me, I don't don't text back right away. I sometimes take hours, sometimes maybe half a day to respond to text messages, and I apologize to all of you for that. Um, But I didn't hear back for 53 hours. Now, maybe they were at work at a 53-hour shift. Maybe they were like in a dead zone and had no Wi-Fi access for 53 hours, or maybe they were like in some kind of COVID coma for 53 hours. But I didn't hear them for a long time. And in that time, I started thinking about why was it taking, it, taking them so long to respond to me? What's happening? I thought the text was good. Um, what's happening with our friendship? Are they hanging around with other people now and they don't want to hang out with me? Uh, they're busy with other people now. They don't want to connect with me. What's going on? So eventually I do get a response back 53 hours later. And their text was, and I quote, the letter K, period, chat soon. The letter K, just one. Now my kids have schooled me on text messaging. And they have told me that when you're in a hurry and you just need to give a quick response to let somebody know that you've received their text and you acknowledge it, you never send one letter K. It must always be two Ks. This is very important. Maybe this will be the only takeaway you get from today's message. Um, And they would say to me, you know, if you send absentmindedly one single K to someone who understands its true meaning, their heart will sink, their hands will stop working, and they'll struggle to understand why you hate them. Add an extra K, it's a game changer. So I got one K. And then the phrase, chat soon. Like how soon? Am I supposed to text them back now, or am I going to kind of sit here waiting for them to text me back? If you have any advice, please send it to me in email. I'm open to suggestions and counseling and all that might be required for me here. But maybe you found yourself in a similar situation with friends in your world right now. I mean, let's be honest. This pandemic has not been kind to friendships. Some of them have flourished, and probably because of some of the reasons that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes— but not all of them have flourished. And after a year of being apart, a total change to our social lives and to our social muscles 
have atrophied. And our friendship circles have, to quote one author, and I love this quote, been warped into unrecognizable configurations. Isn't that a great image? Let me just give you some statistics to brighten your day. In a recent survey in Canada, they said 67% of Canadians are feeling lonelier. 62% said that they have no one to talk to about their problems. 55% say they've lost their sense of community with their friends. And 46% said they've cried for the first time in many years. And while I realize these are not encouraging, maybe it will let you know today that if you're feeling kind of like that, you're certainly not alone. And these stats aren't being critical of people, not at all. The efforts that we have taken upon ourselves as a society to limit the spread of COVID-19 have pulled apart key relationships, have completely altered our social habits um, in significant, significant ways that we're all trying to figure out right now. And it's not just that our, our close friends that we're missing. A recent survey showed how all the other people that we connect with, not just outside of, our, outside of our close friends, how much they mean to us. So the people that you buy coffee from, the people that you work with, the people that you just see around as you go to sporting events or follow your kids to things, all of those people who you wouldn't say are your friends, but you enjoy running into them and catching up with them. One writer says, this regular interaction with people outside our inner circle just makes us feel a little bit more part of a community and part of something bigger. I ran into somebody the other day. I was waiting to get a cell phone fixed at the mall. I was doing my obligatory wait. I ran into someone. Our kids played hockey together. I haven't seen them in probably three or four years. We spent 30 minutes in the middle of the mall talking to each other with masks on. And when I walked away, I felt a pep in my step. Some serotonin had been released into my body. And it was so great just to catch up in the mall of all places. But the reality is, many of us, our social lives have been warped into unrecognizable configurations over the last 14 months. And to complicate things even further, we know that our friendships need work because they're so important to us. But the reality is many people now just feel too tired to make the necessary investment to work on their friendships because all relationships take work. They take energy and they take intentionality. A survey showed that a symptom of this exhaustion is that people are no longer willing to respond to emails, calls, and texts, or at least for 53 hours. And if those stats were not horrifying enough, the vast majority are feeling too tired even to share photos on Instagram anymore. So you know how desperate life is getting for some. But let's be honest. We've all been there. You think of a friend. You want to reach out to them. You know you should get together. You know you should call. But you put it off. I'll wait till I have more energy. I'll wait till I have something more exciting to tell them about other than what series I've watched on Netflix or that I haven't gone anywhere for five months. And again, this is not being critical. But I find this information for me was helpful as I start to think about certain relationships that might be stuck or might be struggling and where you might be thinking about some friendships too and wondering, are we even still friends? If I called them now, would it seem awkward on their end? And how come it's taken them so long to get back to me? Well, we're starting a new series today, and we're, we're calling it Reclaim, because while we recognize that this last year has challenged every aspect of our lives, there are certain parts of our life that are so essential 
that God has created for us to, for part of our joy, for part of our spiritual flourishing, that we require intentionality. And in this year of everything being pulled apart and dislocated and interrupted, it's time to reclaim some of these things or at least start reclaiming and thinking more intentionally about them. Because the alternative is to say, well, this year was hard on my family and I guess it's never gonna go back to the way it was. Or this year has been difficult on my finances and I've lost complete control and I can never reclaim them. Or my friendships have been warped into unrecognizable configurations and I guess they're gonna be like that forever now. And I would say to you, no. I think you and I, as people of faith, ought to reclaim these aspects of our life that are essential that are so important and begin again, to look for a fresh start and maybe even to think about how some of these areas of our life can be healthier than they were before. And so I wanna be encouraging you and we're gonna be encouraging you over these next number of weeks to reclaim these things. And today we're gonna to start talking about friendships because friendships are such an essential part of our life. And if I'm being honest with you, as I've talked to people over this last little while, it's one of the areas that I hear from people the most. Just a, an enormous cloud of uncertainty over what is the state of my relationship with so many different people? And it shouldn't surprise us that we're feeling this way because friendships are such a gift from God to us. Friendships make our lives better, our lives richer, even with a few close friends. Uh, think about it, a great evening with a few friends, uh, maybe a meal, maybe a walk, maybe watching a hockey game. There's laughter, there's stories being told, familiar places that you're entering into their home. There's a sharing and you walk away at the end of it and your cup is full. And you may have had to reconfigure your schedule. It may have cost you money to go out for dinner. You may have had to warn masks or figured out how you were gonna physically distance or sat outside on a cold deck. But aren't you glad that you did it? And it's not just good mentally and psychologically. Friendship is part of our spiritual DNA too because God created us to have people in our life that are like sources of life for us. Typically, when you think about how it is that you're gonna grow in your faith, you think of Bible reading, prayer, uh, volunteering, all these things. But the reality is if I sat down with you and said, talk to me about how it was that you came to faith and talk to me about key moments in your life where your faith grew or blossomed, Many of you would share stories that there was a significant friendship in your life at that time that was instrumental in you coming to faith, in you holding on to faith, wrestling with issues of faith, that it would be a gift of friendship that would have been significant to you. And this is not a surprise. God wired us to be in relationship with people. I mean, friends remind us who we are, loved and accepted by Christ. And we affirm this as we love and accept others. Friendship is one of those things that God uses to provide care and support in our lives. It's where we realize that God cares for me, and so I care for other people with that same kind of compassion and love that I've experienced. And this is not just about our mental health or, our, or, or kind of our psychological health. It has to do with our physical health. I was reading one article this week, and it said this. It was talking about the psychological impact of human connection on our physical bodies. And this quote stood out to me. It said, humans are meant to be with one another. And when we aren't, the decay shows in our bodies. We were created to be into community with one another, showing love and care and support. 
And friendships also show us what we ought to become. As Christians, as we think about being more and more like Christ, friendships encourage us along that way, helping kind of pray us and push us forward, encouraging us forward in our faith with Christ. So what about your friendships today? Let me, I'm going to use kind of a passage from Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to there. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 uh, to 14. I'm going to read through these for us in a section. And what I love about Paul's writing, the author of the book of Colossians, is that Paul's letters typically can be broken in half. The first part, he works through some significant theological issue that the church is dealing with. Then the last half of his letters is just giving real practical counsel to the issues that you and I face in everyday life. And in this context, he's writing to a church community, helping them figure out what does it mean to be family? What does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be friends with one another? And he lists a number of virtues here. And I'm going to walk through some of them with us today. But let's read Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 12, just to 14. Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. And so for Paul, he's saying, the kind of things I'm going to talk about now, this is not just like be a nice person stuff. This is rooted into the very essence of being a Christian and wanting to be people who live holy lives. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together. And this is the heart of Paul's writing, in perfect unity, so that you can come back together again. So Paul reminds us that treat, how we treat people and the relationships that we have are really a reflection of our faith, part of our pursuit of holy living. So let me just mention a few of these things that Paul mentions here and talk about them for a few minutes as we think about what would it be like to reclaim our friendships. And the first is compassion. Compassion means saying, yes, I have been having some challenges right now, but I'm willing to enter into your challenges with love and with mercy. Compassion means being focused on someone else before you're focused on yourself. And if right away you say, I'm not sure I've got the energy for that, or I'm not sure I've got the space for that in my life, remember, it is not your job to enter in and fix their problems. You enter in and show love and care and concern and support to them. This is what compassion is like. So just an analogy. If you come across somebody and they're carrying something really, really heavy, we can lend a hand. But it is not our job to take the entirety of that weight upon ourselves and to carry it for that person. That actually is not helping. And the chances are, as you start reaching out to people and as you start reconnecting with friends, one of the first things you're going to encounter, most likely, is that they've had a tough time. That this last 14 months has been challenging for them. And your first response as you enter into those relationships is going to be needing to have a heart of compassion for them. And hopefully they for you as well. Being willing to listen and be really, really, really slow to speak or give advice or to try to solve their problems. To be able to say, wow, this has been a difficult time for you. I'm sorry to hear. I'm sorry to hear that all the things that you have been dealing with in this last year. So as you re-engage with people 
expect to bring some compassion to those friendships. The second word Paul uses here is kindness. What's a kind thing you can do for a friend? Now, what I love about kindness is kindness is proactive. It takes the first step. Kindness is not just sitting around being sentimental, thinking about nice things. It's actually doing them. It's following through with them. It's being proactive and looking for opportunities to say, what can I do for this person? And again, some of you might say, I don't know if I've got energy for that. Fair enough. But let me just share with you a secret about kindness. That when you do something for someone else, you get a gift too. Kindness was the theme of our Porch Pals, which we had for the month of March. One act of kindness once a week uh, throughout the month of March. And when people told me stories about their experience of being a Porch Pal, uh, I heard two themes time and time again. First was how much fun they were having in receiving stuff. Baked goods, craft supplies, games, um, food. They loved it. It was so exciting to get something on your porch or hung on your doorknob of your house. But the other thing I heard was how much fun people were having thinking about somebody else and trying to anticipate a way to show kindness to them. That by thinking about somebody else and doing something for them, they in turn received a blessing. And kindness blesses both the gift receiver as well as the gift giver. So I would suggest to you, if you have a friendship that feels stuck or broken or in need of some TLC, lead with some kindness. Think about them. Think about what it is that you could do to show kindness to them. The third word that uh, Paul mentions here that I want to mention is humility. And I think this one might be one of the most important in the list. Humility says there's more going on here than I understand. There's more going on in this friendship, in their life, than I truly understand. And again, I think this is probably one of the most important words that we can wrestle with as we think about re-engaging in friendships. And there's a few aspects of humility that I want to talk about. One of the best pieces of advice that I hear and that I give to people when it comes to friendship right now is be careful what you assume. Be careful the story that you are telling yourself about the nature of this friendship or your friend's life or circumstances. If you have not heard from someone in a while, it's normal to wonder why. But be careful what you assume to be true. You know, you can take one, one Instagram photo and two rumors and put them together, and you can create quite a tale for yourself about what's really going on at the heart of this friendship. You can assume, you know what? This friendship's no longer important to that person anymore. Uh, they like somebody else more than me. Obviously, this friendship never really meant as much as I thought it did. And you can create this whole story based on a few little tiny scraps of information. But be careful what you assume. I was reading a blog post this week, and the author was talking about a similar situation. Uh, they have a good friend. They hadn't been in contact in a long while. They'd been watching their Instagram feed, and they had concocted this entire story about why the friendship had kind of grown a little cool. And she wrote this, things were really tense for us for reasons that we both kind of made up in our own heads. <laughs> have you done that? Do you have a friendship that's maybe kind of cooled in this last year? And you have completely created a script about why that is. A narrative, a storyline that kind of tries to make sense of it all. Humility says, be careful of the story that you're telling yourself and what you're assuming. There are things here that you may not understand. 
Which leads us to the next aspect of humility, which is probably my favorite part, which is humble learners are always asking questions and trying to learn. Humble people take a posture, I don't understand this, but I want to. As a humble friend, reach out. Ask questions. See what's going on in their life. And as you do, don't go in with an attitude shaped by your fake, fake news story. Be ready with compassion and be ready to lead with kindness. Now, there's a little bit more difficult aspect to humility as well. At least it feels difficult to me. Be open to learning about how you're making the friendship difficult. That's what humble people do. Maybe you have an attitude or a behavior uh, that's not conducive to flourishing friendships. Maybe you've expected the other person to do all the work, and they're kind of tired of that. Maybe a negative spirit has set into your heart. Maybe you've been quick to speak and really have done no listening at all. As people of faith, one of the things that helps us grow is an attitude of humility that says, Lord, open my eyes, help me see the things that are in my life that are impacting my relationship with you and impacting my relationship with other people. Humility. Patience. Something I have no credibility to speak on, but I will give you what other people say for your notes today. Uh, Imagine for a second you lived in St. John your whole life. You grew up here, you went to school here, and you have a good cohort of friends here. But then you move away for a year, maybe for school or maybe for work. It's a one-year assignment, and then you come back. When you come back after that one year, you start to reconnect with old friends again. And one of the things that you discover right away for any of you who've moved away is that those friendships are a little bit different now. You're different, and they're different. And your life situations are a little bit different You know, this has been helpful for me as I give counsel to people about friendships because really in this last year, it's kind of like we all moved away for a year and we've all kind of coming back now, but I'm different and you're different and we're all trying to figure this out together. And in the midst of that, one of the gifts is patience. Not to expect that we can just pick right up where we left off as if nothing ever happened to us and kind of as if we're the same person that we were a year ago. We can't expect a quick text message is going to change 14 months of living through a pandemic as it relates to our friendship. Friendship is more like gardening and less less like standing at the express line at the grocery store getting something really quickly. It takes time. It takes intentional effort and investment, which means it also takes patience. But we can start today and exercise that patience as we look to reconnect. The last one, bear with one another and forgive. (laughs) Maybe your friendship right now where you have a friendship that feels less like joyful bliss and feels more like carrying around their junk. Or to use Paul's more eloquent terms, bearing with one another. Maybe you have a friendship right now that's just really hard work. It just feels like it's all heavy lifting and there's no joy, no fun, no laughter, no benefit to it. And, As friends, we know the the easy thing to do is just to quit or to walk away or to quit responding, but that's not what friendship is really all about. Let me just remind you that this kind of work is the work of grace. Grace says, I'm in it with you for the long haul. Grace is literally the act of bearing with one another, just as the Lord himself continues to, to bear with us.
but we don't do this in our own strength and in our own power. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit living within us, giving us all the resources of the Lord himself so that we can live this out, including strength and the ability to know when to hold our tongue and the wisdom to know when it's time to speak. All right, that's a long list. We've got compassion, kindness, humility, patience, bearing with one another. And so my question to you today is simply this. As you think about your friendships in your life, do you have some friendships that could benefit from practicing and exercising these virtues? Friendships do not magically happen. They take intentional effort. And right now, they take all kinds of intentional effort. Do you have some friendships that you've been worrying about that have been warped into unrecognizable configurations in the last year? Have you created a whole narrative about why that is and maybe all the circumstances that are going around that really aren't based on any facts whatsoever, just kind of your own story? Are you missing a friend? Is there somebody that used to walk with you, was there for you, that really you haven't had much contact with? I just want to encourage you to be thinking today about what it would look like for you to reclaim those friendships by putting these virtues that Paul offers to us in practice. Let me pray. God, today, we thank you for the gift of friends. They're your gift to our lives. And Lord, we can try to convince ourselves that we don't need other people, that we're completely independent, and we can do this on our own. But the truth is we know that's not true. That's not the way we were created to be. And so Lord, today as we think about um, the impact that this last year has had on these key friendships in our life, we thank you for these words from Paul speaking to people who seem so far removed from our world today, and yet they're so practical to the relationships that we have. Lord, give us wisdom to put these into practice. May there be open hearts and open doors, and may we get to the place again where these friendships are your gifts expressed in our lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen.